People oftentimes are really easy to confess their sins when they first believe in Jesus, but the longer you walk with Jesus, there's a group of people who struggle to confess their sins because they feel shame because Christians shouldn't do that. And I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus as much today as on the day that you got saved. Christians should be the most likely to say, I failed at that, because when you get saved, it doesn't mean you're a good Christian. It means you got saved. Shame is a dangerous thing. It robs us of joy and peace and can make us into someone we aren't. We want to hide from people because we're positive that they see our flaws the same way that we do. But the Bible tells us that there's a different way to behave when we sin. Pastor Daniel's teaching today will show you how. Using the example of the prophet Daniel, you'll learn to confess your sins to God and walk in God's forgiveness. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 as he continues his message, Breakthrough Prayer. Hey, think about this. Daniel was a young Jewish man, wise. In his early life, he was being nurtured to be a ruler in Israel. And sure enough, as a teenager, the Babylonians come on in, everything gets destroyed, they conquer everything, and Daniel, we know his friends come in this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were taken from Jerusalem, and they were living in Babylon, and Daniel had been advising the Babylonian rulers, and now the Medo-Persian rulers, for his entire life. His whole life's been lived in Babylon, but... Even though he's not in Jerusalem, he's still reading God's word. And he remembers, hey, Jeremiah said that we are going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And so what does he do? It says, verse 3, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord. See, Daniel let the circumstances of his life and the word of God drive him into prayer. He's seeing what's going on in the world, and he's seeing what's going on in God's word, and he's allowing that now to lead him to seek after God in prayer. And I just simply want to encourage you to do the exact same thing. My friends, we are surrounded by the circumstances of the world unlike anything that has ever happened in history. Something happens on the other side of the globe and you and I find out about it with video almost instantaneously. So we are more cognizant and aware of what's going on in the world now than anyone else. I mean, you think about something like the Electoral College. I don't want to get in politics. You talk about politics, everyone loses their brains. But the idea of the Electoral College, the reason they had that was before we had computers and they wanted to elect an elected official like a president, you need to get all the votes from all the people. They didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. They couldn't send an email. Smoke signals wouldn't work. Carrier pigeons wouldn't get it there. So they needed a way to get the information there quickly quickly also take you 50 years to find out who the next president was. It's funny how now with all of our technology, it's still taking us a long time, but that's a different discussion for another day. But the whole idea is, is we are so aware of what's going on in the world. 
But unfortunately, the way our culture works and the way we work is rather than letting the circumstances of the world drive us to prayer, it drives us to frustration. Which is exactly what the enemy wants because when the people of God are frustrated, they're not salt, they're not light, they're not saying, God, what are you doing and how can I be involved? So we need to stop letting the news frustrate us and start letting it drive us to prayer. And we need God's word to do the same thing. When you read the word, you should take what you're reading and turn it to prayer. Say, Lord, your word just said that I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Lord, will you help me to believe that? Lord, your word says that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are the called according to his purpose. Lord, help me to believe that. Your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help us to believe that. I must to walk in that. Your word says that I can be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to the Lord and let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, you know I'm anxious, but your word says I should be anxious for nothing. Will you help me now? Lord, will you lead me? Will you teach me? And that's just me just picking, I think I just picked four verses out of, God's word, 66 books. Let God's word, let it lead you into prayer. Now, I don't want to miss this before I move on. My friends, when you read things in the word that you don't understand, that's the best time to pray. Because God is infinite and we are finite. So the fact that in God's word there are things you don't understand should not be surprising to you. That's normal because none of us understand everything about everything. Can I get an amen? amen? The number of things I do not understand are extraordinary. And each day as I get older, I realize more and more of all the stuff that I don't understand. And the longer I'm married, the more I realize I never understood anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My pride is so sweet, but it's so funny, man. It's like, I had no clue. I did not know. And so the fact that you don't understand what's in God's word, that should be normal. Because God is God and God is leading us and we're growing. And so when you don't understand, say, God, I don't understand what this means. Lord, will you teach me? Will you unpack this for me? And what we find with Daniel here is as he is being led into the deep, and I love this, he says in verse three, he set his face toward the Lord God. Now, I love that. Think about the descriptive nature of God's word. Prayer is you set your face towards God. How many of you have raised kids and you're talking to your kids and your kids are not looking at you. <laughs> and what do you always say to your kids? Look at me. Or if you teach kindergarten, it's one, two, three, eyes on me. That's right. I do that with my teenagers too. Like one, two, three, eyes on me. Why? Because when you set your face towards them, you're connected and now we talk. How many of you in your relationships, if you're talking to someone and they're not looking at you, it makes you a little nervous, right? Because maybe they're not paying attention. That's why it's so important to put your phones down because you're connected. So you set your face and then it says, and I made requests by prayer and supplication. Now, prayer is a general word for the conversation we get to have with God. Supplication speaks of specific requests. That's what it really speaks of. And then you have with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, this is a whole other thing. Because not only is he praying, he's choosing not to eat so that he can seek God. That's what fasting is. 
And then it says, and sackcloth and ashes really is like, Daniel's going for it here. Putting on sackcloth was putting on the least comfortable clothes you have. It was literally a spiritual discipline where they'd put on sackcloth. It was almost like camel's hair, which is not super furry and nice. It's pretty prickly. And it would be against your skin, so you were intentionally uncomfortable. That's what sackcloth was. And ashes was literally ashes. Like, I made my face dirty. Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes were all of the sign of outward observances of humility. So really, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes were designed to be outward expressions of an inward humility. That's saying, one, God, I'm intentionally making myself uncomfortable because I'm not eating. Even though I need food to survive, I need you more. I'm not comfortable, so I'm not living in luxury right now because I really want to know you, Lord. And I'm literally making myself intentionally dirty because I am like Adam. I was dirt with life breathed into me. So all of it is an outward side of humility. And then Daniel begins to pray. Now, I'm going to give you the big idea of this prayer, at least the first part of it, and it's simply this. Confession is so good for your soul. I said here a million times, confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation. And really what we find here is Daniel is confessing the sins of the people to God. Let me read it to you. Picking up in verse 4, it says, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned, verse 5, and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers and all the people of the land. Verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries in which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness with which we have committed against you. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so that they may not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Verse 12. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. Verse 15, and now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. We almost never hear people talk the way Daniel is talking here. Because over and over and over again, Daniel is owning not only his own garbage, but the garbage of all the people of Israel. In these verses, four times Daniel 
specifically acknowledges the sinfulness of the people. Verse 5, verse 8, verse 11, and verse 15. Literally in 11 verses, there is four specific declarations of we have sinned. We have rebelled. Your word said this, we did the opposite. You are righteous, we deserve shame. And my friends, confession is good for the soul because the word confession in the Greek language literally means to say the same thing as what God has already said. And there is nothing more freeing for you and I when we are able to say, I have failed. I have done wrong. God, your word says I should love and I haven't. Your word says I should be patient and I'm not. Lord, your word says I should be kind and I'm kind of a jerk before I drink coffee in the morning. Whatever the thing is, you and I learning how to own our life is so healthy for your soul because everything else is a blame shift away from our ownership of who we are. And I'm here to tell you, we are all living in the soup of our culture that says none of it is my fault. This was all done to me. And I'm here to tell you, as horrible as things are, we all have been raised in a world that is befelled by sin. All of us. Now, some, there are some extreme cases with some extreme injustice. I don't want to minimize that. But all of us are overcomers because none of us were raised in a perfect environment with perfect parents. None of us had all the opportunities in the world. All of us have failed, have been hurt by people. That's true for all of us. And our culture is designing people to say, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And I'm here to tell you, that is as old as the Garden of Eden. That's not new. You guys remember the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve ate, Adam blamed who? Eve. Really, he blamed God for giving him Eve. How pernicious is that? Lord, it's the woman you gave me. I didn't do that. You you brought her here. You know? So he blames God, and he blames Eve. And who does Eve blame? The serpent. And of course, there was no one else there. So I like to say, the serpent was left with the hot potato. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that lousy things happen. There's lousy systems. We had lousy parents, lousy environment. Bad stuff goes on. That's true. But at some point you have to say, yes, bad stuff went on. But Lord, I chose to do a lot of stuff. I chose to do that. I was talking to my kids about this. And we were talking about smoking. And I said to them, listen, when I was a kid, I didn't know Jesus. I smoked a whole lot. I'm like, so if I end up with lung cancer, I can't blame anybody. I did it to myself. And I did it. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh God, why'd you do this to me? No, I did that. I chose that. And I believe that the people of God should be very comfortable confessing our sins because our entire faith is predicated on the fact that we are imperfect and we are sinners in need of a savior. And what I have found is that people oftentimes are really easy to confess their sins when they first believe in Jesus. But the longer you walk with Jesus, there's a group of people who struggle to confess their sins because they feel shame because Christians shouldn't do that. And I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus as much today as on the day that you got saved. Christians should be the most likely to say, I failed at that. Because when you get saved, it doesn't mean you're a good Christian. It means you got saved. You're a flawed person who's been redeemed by the finished work of our Savior, Jesus. And that is every single day. So my friends, take off the mask. There's no such thing as a good Christian. There's just a good Christ. There's no such thing as, I got it all together. Jesus has it all together, and all of us are getting worked on. We're all rental projects. We got mold in the crawl space. It's just what it is. 
Some of you should go check your crawl space. That's a random reference. Just go check your crawl space. If you got mold there, get it remediated in Jesus' name. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says it this way. He who covers his sins will not prosper. And whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I love that. If you cover your sins, you won't prosper. Confession is you taking your sin and dragging it into the light because in the light, that's where Jesus heals it. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, if we say that we have no sin, oh, listen to this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, listen, you need to be confessing your sins to one another. Now listen, if someone comes and confesses their sins to you, don't judge them. Because God, when we confess, he's faithful and judged to forgive us our sins. The reason we don't confess our sins is because we feel judged by other people. When we know God's word, and we're seeking after God's perspective, God never expects us to come to him as sinners and then never make a mistake again. Find me that in your Bible. God called Peter, and Peter was a knucklehead like the whole ride. You know what I mean? Like the whole way, Peter is having issues. Not only did he deny Jesus, but then you ever read Paul's letter to Galatians, where he literally has to call out Peter in front of the whole church, for he was hanging out with the Galatians, eating all like the shrimp scampi or whatever they're eating, the non-kosher food, and then the Judaizers came, and then he would separate himself and pretend like he didn't do that stuff. And literally, Paul says, I called him a hypocrite to his face. And someone's like, gosh, I can't believe Peter was a hypocrite. Yes, you can, because you're a hypocrite. And so am I. All of us struggle in certain moments to live into what we know to be the truth. And the beauty of the body of Christ is not that we have it all together. It's that we know that in a place of grace, where the grace of God exists, we can be real. I'm here to tell you, there's no perfect marriage in this sanctuary. In this church, there is no perfect person except for Jesus. There's nobody who doesn't have any struggles or doubts or fears. So when someone has struggles, we should acknowledge that because we understand that we all have struggles. Everybody has doubts. Everybody makes mistakes. That's the gospel. And God's tool that he gives us to become more like Jesus is confession. Say, listen, I failed here. I know that that's not what God wants, but I did it anyway. Will you pray for me? Will you forgive me for the pain that it's caused? I want to change, but I can't do it alone. I need your prayers. I need your support. I need your help. Confession is good for the soul. It's really good for the soul. So let's be people who confess first to God and then to one another. Because the person who covers their sins won't prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And don't miss that. Confesses and what? And forsakes it. But I'm here to tell you, it goes in that order. You confess it. And then the process starts of changing your heart so that you don't want to do those things anymore. You see the error of it. You see the pain it creates. You see the spiritual struggle that it creates. All those things. So we have confession here. Now, what's beautiful here is then as we move into verse 16 here in Daniel chapter 9, look at what happens next. It says, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, 
I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayers of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, verse 18, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your names. And really what we learn here is you and I, we need to adore the Lord's many attributes. See, Daniel is praying and he's praising God for who he is. And he's saying, Lord, because of who you are, will you work here? He's like, I'm not praying this because of our goodness. Lord, I'm praying this because you are good. You are righteous, Lord. You are full of mercy, God. See, Daniel realizes that his relationship with God is not secured by him. It's secured by who the Lord is and what the Lord is doing. And for all of us, Maturity in our faith into Christ-likeness is all about us becoming more like Jesus, where the attributes of God start to become the characteristics of our lives. I always like to say it like, do you ever meet somebody and you absolutely know that, oh, those two are father and son, father and daughter, mother and son, mother and daughter? What do you say? They're a, what, a chip off the old block, Right? Because of the mannerisms. Like, I always laugh. So, like, my son Obadiah, I'm, like, raising my brother-in-law. Obadiah is my brother-in-law, Paul. The way he talks, some of his mannerisms, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm raising my brother-in-law. This is amazing. Or if you've ever met my daughter, Maranatha, people all the time are like, oh, you guys are definitely related. Because Maranatha is a cute version of me. No beard, no dreads. It's like, you couldn't miss the familiar. And then if you meet my daughter, Annabelle, she's swinging from the chandeliers. You're like, oh, that's Fusco's daughter, definitely. <laughs> you know? But the idea is like, we take on the attributes of the people around us. And as we are people who pray, as we take on God's perspective, the characteristics and his attributes start to become our attributes. And you can look at this entire prayer, not just the section that I'm highlighting this, but you can see all of these attributes of God Verse 16, according to your righteousness. I love that. He says, now therefore God, hear our prayer of our servants and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary. Because it's desolate. Say, God, you're a redemptive God. You're a God of restoration. Saying, oh God, incline your ear to me. See our desolate. See what's going on. But not because of our righteous deeds, because we don't have any. But because, God, you're a God of great mercy. Not a God of a little mercy, but he's a God of great mercy. Jesus is So what kind of shape is your crawl space in? Are there a lot of cobwebs and debris laying around, or is it pretty cleaned up? That's a funny way to think about the hidden places of our lives. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. It's so easy to put on the fake face, the Christian persona, and fool everyone. But as you heard today from Daniel, it's so much better to shorten the time between sin and repentance, because having peace with God is worth it. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at jesusisrealradio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel begins a new teaching in his series, Into the Deep. This message will be called Warfare Prayer. If you're familiar with the teaching of the Apostle Paul, you know that Pastor Daniel is going to cover the section about the spiritual armor all Christians are supposed to know about and make use of. If you don't know about this passage, you'll get to learn something significant in the Christian walk. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.